Hello, everyone. Quick message before we begin. My writing, which was previously on the Show.com, you can now find it over on my Substack page, troyfarkas.substack.com. The link is right below here uh, on the YouTube description or in the show notes of today's podcast. What is it? Substack is a subscription-based writing platform. People pay for it. I'm not asking you to pay for anything. You don't have to pay for it. It's totally free. If you want to pay for it, you can. You're not going to get anything uh, extra for it. So troyfarkas.substack.com. Over there, you can expect two to three posts a week from me, cover a lot of the same stuff that we do on this podcast. So you can get new posts uh, directly to your email a couple times a week. So troyfarkas.substack.com. All right, on to today's episode with Liana DeSell, which I'm very excited for. Enjoy. An honor and a privilege to welcome back to the podcast, the first ever guest in the history of the Troy Farkas Show. This is one of my favorite people in the world. I say that every week on this podcast. I'm having one of my favorite people on, but I actually mean it even more so than usual today. Liana, I find it so appropriate to have you on the show today because, as I announced in a uh, previous Substack post, the Troy Farkas show era is coming to an end. I'm going to kind of rebrand the show, a little makeover. Podcast isn't going away. Just going to have a new name, whatnot, just because, you know, I like to change my mind about things from time to time. So, going to usher in a new era. But I figure before we do that, had to kind of close the loop on this chapter first with where we started. Liana, so much has changed in our lives, each of our lives, since we last spoke on the podcast in September of 2020. You have gotten married, finally. Uh, A pandemic delayed you a bit. You have moved to Florida. You've gotten a new job. I moved all around the country. I now live in New Hampshire. I've gotten, I've had a bunch of jobs since we last spoke. So lots to catch up on today. Uh, All that stuff. But before we get into it, how are you? So good to see you. I'm hanging in there, right? I mean, I'm a total, I feel like a totally different person. Like, I feel like looking at myself, I looked back at the podcast before we started this. I'm like, I'm a totally different person from that day. Like, I literally, like I was just telling you, lit my life on fire, rescheduled the wedding during a pandemic, quit a job with no plan, was unhappy living in upstate New York. And now here I am tan in March, which can't beat it, living in Florida, where I literally said on the podcast, oh, I want to move to Florida, had no plan at that point, got a job that I can't even imagine. Like I couldn't, if you told me, you know, a year and a half ago that I would have had this position, I wouldn't have believed you. I still barely believe it that I'm, I'm going into this position. So lots changed. <laughs> well, you're, you're glowing. Uh, I can tell you look amazing. <laughs> I mean, you always look amazing, but even more amazing than usual. So much has happened in your life. I guess let's kind of start with comparing the two versions of yourself. How would you compare your happiness now versus your happiness then? It's hard to compare because it's so different. Like, I, I mean, obviously, Right off the bat, you know, I'm so much happier here. I feel like I'm smiling more. I I just, I look different. Like you were saying, like, I feel glowing from the inside. Like, I feel like this is where I'm finally supposed to be. Like, I've taken the necessary next steps in my life. And like, this is where I'm supposed to be in my mid-20s. Like, happily married, happily going into a position that's going to challenge me every single day in my career where I'm going to grow and learn new things that I didn't even think I'd ever have the opportunity to learn. And I make new experiences every day living in a state that I've always dreamt of living in. I mean, I know it's Florida, but it's not upstate New York. So (laughs) it's a step up for me right now. (laughs) How much apprehension or nerves did you have when you first went down to Florida around, I think, September of last year? Yeah. So it was like, 
it was really, it, it was always in the forefront of our minds, like the possibility of it happening. And then like the month before our wedding is when we like, actually were like, they were like, no, we want you down here. Sam's, Sam's job. They were like, we want you down here. We want you working out of our headquarters. Like, you know, we've got a good plan in place for you. Let's get you guys down here. So I had so much, you know, like I said, the month before my wedding. So I had so much other things going on to think about. Then we were in the Maldives for two weeks and then we got back and we just packed for six weeks straight, like five or six weeks straight. And then on the way down here, I was like, I don't know anything about formers. I don't even know anything about the West side of Florida. I don't know anything. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like we, I was like, is this crazy? But I think the excitement of something new took over the nerves for me, which I'm the most nervous person in the world. I feel like I'm, I'm always anxious. I'm always overthinking things. And for me to just be so okay with this, like I just felt like it was totally the right move. Okay. So how has everything been since then? Was there, was there uh, an adjustment period that was difficult? Because I, I, you know, a lot of times, and you know, you're very lucky that uh, you're doing this with your husband now that you guys could figure it out together. People really struggle when they move to a new place alone, but did you have kind of that period where, oh my gosh, I don't know anyone here. How do we make friends? Like, do we need to join clubs or, or go mm-hmm. on, like do the whole, like, how do we meet couple friends, all that stuff. So how did you, those like first. Oh couple. yeah. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, that just being in our mid twenties, I think you've talked about this before. I saw you talked about it with Acker. Like it's impossible to make friends in your twenties, like, or not impossible, but it's definitely more of a, it's difficult, more difficult than it was in college, more difficult than it was in high school. Um, so I know I always say everywhere, every time I've moved, which is like just been around upstate New York, if you don't include Rhode Island when I went to college there. So when I moved from out of my parents' house into Troy, out of Troy into Cohoes, every time I cry, I like always cry. I don't know why. I, I just, I don't know if it's like change is just tough for me. This was the one place that I didn't cry. There was like no mental breakdown. There was no like, oh man, I shouldn't have done this. Like there was no... I've never been so sure that like we belong not in upstate New York. I don't know if it's Florida forever. I love Florida. I would be really upset to ever have to leave, but I'm open to other opportunities, but I had no mental breakdown. I know this isn't good content, but I had no mental breakdown. Like nothing. Like I didn't, you know, I miss my mom. I miss my niece and nephews. Like, but I know I can always go see them. I know I can always hop on a plane and see them. Um, So it's just been, it's been so nice to like have our time to ourselves and for like me and Sam to just like really hang out together. We do, we have made friends that we do things with like once a month, we'll go like on a boat or we'll do a beach day or we go to like a party or something, a house party. And like, it's been great. It's been really good. We haven't found like that, like close knit group of friends that we're hoping for. Um, I think that times will come and we've, we've done that. We, we joined a Pilates group and, you know, we've tried to like, and we're still trying, we're still trying to make close knit friends. It's definitely difficult at this age. Um, but we're still kind of finding our footing down here. So I'm not too worried about it yet. How is this period, this honeymoon period in Florida and in your marriage, I guess, uh, improved the relationship between you and Sam, uh, your husband? We, we just get to hang out all the time. Like I know it's such like a lame thing to say but like it's just like two best friends hanging out all the time but like we also love each other like we also love like running errands together we also love like just sitting on the couch and like with the tv off and just the music on and like having a conversation like we love like 
I love cooking together. Sam doesn't like it because I'm a little bossy in the kitchen, but we do, you know, we just love doing things together. It's definitely helped us like grow as a couple. I think everybody should do this. Like after they get married, just hang out, just you two, not let all the other bullshit of the outside world consume your guys's time together like this is so important this is the time before we have children before you do all those things before you have to give your time to everybody else and it's just been a really fun experience for both of us i know i'm speaking for him but he would agree (laughs) you saying (laughs) uh sam isn't a a big fan of cooking with chef lily i he's my sous chef i can't even say like we cook together because it's not equal it's me (laughs) Meets giving him orders, which I think he's good at taking orders. Like he's good at like direction. Like if you give him direction, he can complete the task super well. So like, it's more of like, Sam grabbed this for me. Sam did this for me. And he's also in the kitchen at the same time, trying to stay out of my way <laughs> while I'm moving and like splattering everything around. So he's, he's a good sport. He's a really, he's very patient with me. Nobody else would do this. <laughs> Nobody else would put up with me like that. This is a quick aside, but I mean, I'm a big fan of Chef Lily. And anytime Sam posts about Thank Chef Lily on Instagram, I am uh, just in awe of the things that you cook <laughs> up in the kitchen. What are, what are you most proud of in your culinary career? What is the best creation, the most Instagrammable or most tasty thing that you have prepared? That's difficult. I mean, I, if I'm going to pick a meal, I'm going to say everybody always wants my chicken parm sandwiches like that's or like a chicken parm sub. Everybody's always going for that. I know it's so simple, but like just the fried chicken call it just the art of it to me is just something I can get emotional talking about. Like I, I grew up having known my grandmother, Nona Tina. She was the one that taught me how to make the perfect chicken cutlet. Like it's a big deal in the Italian culture. But I think if we're talking about like an ex, like a, whole thing that I put together, I'd have to say Thanksgiving. Like I, I put that out there like a pro. I don't say much nice things about my cooking. Like I'm not like someone to like, you know, every time I taste something, I'm like, Oh, I could have done this differently. I'm totally my biggest critic, but like Thanksgiving, I was impressed with myself. It wasn't perfect. God, it wasn't perfect. But I mean, I got everything out at the time that I said it was going to, everything was warm at the same time. Like it was, I, w- I was hustling that day. I spent like a week prepping for Thanksgiving. Really? Wow. Well, I mean, that, and that doesn't even include like the month before where I was planning everything and making my grocery lists. And so, yeah, Thanksgiving is tough. But Damn, it's fun. I mean, you and uh, our girl Taylor, you know, she's got the famous Tastegram account. I mean, you might, yeah. she might have to, uh, to worry about Chef Lily. I know we could do like a collab or something. No. <laughs> Definitely should. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys are happy and figuring it out in Florida. I want to backtrack to uh, just before you guys moved to Florida, which I think makes sense because, you know, all the rabid listeners of the Troy Park show got to hear about all your wedding planning and all of the mm-hmm. uh, trials and tribulations of it. I think we need to yeah. tell the people what actually happened uh, in late June 2021. So now that you have all this time to look back on and now that it is in the rear view mirror, all the stress is gone. How would you rate your your overall wedding experience? Did it go 10 out of 10. like you planned it would, <laughs> wanted to? It, it, I wish I could. Go, everyone always asks me, like, what would you change about your wedding day? Like, it's the biggest question I always get. And I, I can say two things. My mindset. And I wish it was a longer. I like I wish the actual wedding like reception itself was longer because I remember the last dance coming on and me being like, what? Everything that day, 
exceeding my expectations. Truly. Like, and I, it sounds so cliche. And I remember people being like, oh, it's going to be the best day of your life. And I'm like, what a lame thing to say. Like, God, you know, I know it's like everyone dreams about their wedding growing up. I never was that girl that was like Pinteresting like stuff for my wedding when I was 12 or 14 or whatever. I just, it never was like a thing to me, but I was in the wedding industry as a banquet server. So I knew exactly what I wanted. Sam was on board for everything. He gave his input when necessary, like when he felt like strongly about something. But other than that, he was kind of just like someone who approved my vision and then either added to it or if he had something specific that we put it in. I I think that if it's not the best of your life, something went wrong. Like, honestly, like it is just... It really is. You're surrounded by everybody that you love and it'll, you'll never have that again. You will never have that day again where you have every person on both sides of your, like both sides of us that we love in one room. I remember looking out at the church and just like looking at everybody and being like, holy shit, every single person I care about is under this roof right now. Like this is like the best moment in my life. And I get to marry Sam. Like, it doesn't get any better. Like, it, it was just, it was the perfect day. It sounds so cliche. It really, really does. And I remember when people told me this, I'm like, ah, because I was so stressed leading up, you know, between COVID and then you just want everything to go perfectly. Like, it, it's a really stressful experience. Like, it, it, it's a, there's a lot of money that goes into a wedding and you just want to make sure that you spent your money. That was a good investment. And it was. I, I wouldn't change a damn thing, except for, like I said, my mindset of not being so stressed. And, um... And I just wish it was like a longer reception. Like I, five hours didn't feel like enough, which is crazy, but I wish there was more time. You actually gave me chills as you were talking about it because <laughs> I, I can only imagine because like you and Sam brought, like you guys were the reason that everyone had gathered in that room today. There's no other occasion in your life where it will truly be all about exactly. you and all of these people will be there to celebrate you. That's gotta be an incredible. Exactly. And everybody's like, happy for you. Like the energy is just on, unma- I just, it's unmatched. I, I, I remember my dad told me the next day, cause my dad, my parents were very big on like the, you know, the, the wedding being fun, the energy really will be a sign for your marriage. Cause they're like, they're just like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, whatever. And my dad told me the next day, he's like, I don't know if I'm biased, but that was, and he's hard on me. Like he's very hard on me. He was like, that was the best wedding I've ever been to. He was like, the the energy every single person I looked at like was having a fun time like he's like everybody was happy everybody was out there dancing and I was like what else could I've asked for so I guess me and Sam are going to make it forever <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh so what would you say to someone who you know when you someone who's in your position 40 years ago uh when you got engaged someone is is newly engaged is just about to start planning a wedding what would be the advice that you would give that young girl to try to make sure that she has a wedding experience like you did? Plan. I'm a planner. I plan everything. I mean, you cannot be too organized when it comes to a wedding, plan your finances. Did you hire a wedding planner? So I planned everything. I had a day of coordinator that was there to take my stress away. And they rocked. I, I, Shannon just got one. Cause I was like hyping them up so much. I'm like, you need a day of wedding coordinator. You need someone that's going to keep everybody on track and keep the timeline on track. Like there, you can't plan enough for a wedding. Don't stress. That's my other part. The, the, the emotional part, don't stress. It's going to be better than you could ever expect. It's going to be beyond all your expectations. 
let it all go. You're going to ruin your own time stressing about the small details that no one's even going to notice. And right. people told me that, and you can you could have told me that a hundred times before, and I still wouldn't have listened. But like, it's the stress isn't you know worth the headache. I remember like everyone telling me this, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to be so stressed the day of, and then it all just melts away when you're there. I, I was wondering uh, wondering about that with you because I know you had planned so much and been thinking about it for so much. I was wondering wedding day, you know, as you two are physically getting married, you're in the church. I was wondering, like, I wonder where her mind is at right now because she's on stage. All these people are looking yeah. at her. Is she listening to what is being said or is she thinking <laughs> about the the flowers and, and how the cake looks later? So, like, where where was your mind at exactly in, like, the moments in the church and throughout the night, you know? All right, I'm going to say another super corny thing. I, uh, the morning of my wedding, I wasn't like nervous. I wasn't like not myself or anything. I was super hungover. I can tell you that we had an open bar at our rehearsal dinner. So I was super hungover, but I wasn't like, oh my God, there's no cold feet. There was no worries. There was no nerves, nothing. I was just annoyed that I hadn't seen Sam in like, whatever, 20 hours, you know, it's so lame. Like, and I was just so relieved to have him next to me to feel like, oh, this is going to go perfect. Like it felt like I was finally like relieved. There was just like a lot of relief sitting up there. I was listening to what Father Pat was saying. I'm not Catholic. Father Pat, if you ever see this, I'm so, 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 so sorry. I was raised Catholic, but I don't have like religious views at all anymore. I did this because my parents wanted me to get married in a church and I couldn't say no to my dad. So, um, so I was listening. I was thinking about like, God, I can't believe this is finally here. There was just so much relief to wash over. I was not worried about the, I don't even think I noticed the flowers at the church. I think my florist asked me after like, Oh, do you see the pedestal? It's like, and everyone was like, Oh my God, the pedestal at the church was so beautiful. But I'm like, I didn't even see it. Like I just was so happy to be there next to Sam that like literally nothing else mattered. Like, and I knew it was gonna be perfect. I just knew everything was going to be fine. That's awesome. Super corny, but uh, no, no. Hey, listen, I'm so happy for you guys. I'm I'm so sad or so happy that you don't have any uh like trauma to to relate to me. This is a good thing. Yeah, no, I don't I don't have good content when it comes to the wedding day. I don't think it should be like that. So I feel like I'm, for me, I you know, you always worry about that stuff as a bride. Like, God, what if something does go really bad? Like, what if something like what if this is like sets the tone for the rest of our marriage? So I am very happy that it went perfectly, like literally perfectly. So our mutual best friend, Shannon, whom you referenced, mm-hmm. uh, she is getting married in early June. So just a couple yep. months here. So now you were kind of the first in in your friend group, in my friend group yep. to get married. So you have now gained a whole bunch of wisdom uh, from this oh, experience. Yeah. So now that you are a, a co-maid of honor for Shannon, Shannon was a co-maid mm-hmm. of honor for you. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Uh, what wisdom are you imparting upon her to make sure that she's ready for the big day? She, she's going through the same kind of things. Like she's, she's sweating the little things and she calls me and we talk about it and I'm like, we can't sweat the little things. And then a big part of it is just putting your trust in other people, like trusting that, you know, everything is going to be okay. Like everything's gonna be okay with the floors. Everything's going to be okay with the makeup artist. Everything's going to go perfectly. So I'm kind of just like her sounding board for those kinds of things. Like, I feel like, she, I think Shannon calls me for advice. I would say she calls me for advice. I don't want to, I feel like that sounds a little pretentious when it comes to like wedding stuff, but um, I try to give her the level-headed advice that I would want from somebody who already got married. So 
she's 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 got bigger fish to fry with med school, you know, those that kind of stuff. But um, she's definitely having those those wedding crises too. But we talk through them. I think she's in a good place. I think that her, the wedding is gonna the wedding is gonna be awesome. I'm so I think I'm more excited than anybody else. Like me and Sam talk about like going to Maine. Like we're like, yeah, this is gonna be so fun. Like this is gonna be so cool. We get to dance. Like we get to go, you know, hang out in Maine. We've never been to Maine before, and and watch Shannon, you know, my best friend oh, yeah, of all yeah. time, get married. Yeah, that part too. But <laughs> I live uh, 30 minutes away from where she's getting married, so you know you can come hang out in Portsmouth as well. You know. Oh, you're only 30 minutes from Kenny Bunkport. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Holy when, crap. Uh, uh, when Taylor and I ran the half marathon in Portland, I, I passed Kenneth Bonport on the way. It's like, oh shit, it's right there. It's like, and you're like, oh, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, went, so I went to Kenneth Bonport a couple weeks ago. It was beautiful. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited to see everyone always. Everyone's like, wow, you were in such an amazing place whenever I tell them that the wedding's there. So I'm excited to see it. Honeymoon. You went, okay. I, mean, I don't even know where the Maldives are, <laughs> but you went there and you had quite a hell of a journey to get there and back. Can you describe what oh, yeah. the travel sequence was? So we drove down to JFK because the only place you can really fly to the Maldives is like a very large international airport. So JFK was our closest one. We took a flight to Abu Dhabi. We had a seven-hour layover in Abu Dhabi. You say, so you say casually. You took a New York City to Abu Dhabi flight. What is that, like 18 hours? I want to say it was I want to say it was 14. This plane, Troy, was unbelievable. It's, I'm gonna say it wrong. Em- Emirates? Emiratis? I, I don't even I know, know I know what I think it's Emirates. Emirates. The it's like a Middle Eastern um airline. Unreal. Unreal. They gave us free pillows, free blankets. Free headphones, free like overnight bags, like all these just crazy. I had the best. I'm not gonna say the best, but some of the best paneer in my life, like Indian food, on this airplane. It was unbelievable. And then we had a seven hour layover in Abu Dhabi. There's like cabins, like overnight cabins that you can rent, like by the hour. That we literally passed out in for four hours. Woke up, went to our gate, flew from Abu Dhabi to Malé, which is the capital of the Maldives. That's another seven hour flight. Caught a seaplane. <laughs> a seaplane? A seaplane. Yep. Like literally it's like 500 feet above sea level. It lands, it's docked in the water, lands in the water. Not very good for my motion sickness. Had to take like three Dramamine tablets as soon as I sat on that airplane. So I was like, I'm not going to make it otherwise. And then that was like a 25 minute seaplane flight to our island. So each resort is its own island. So there's no like there's no other civil, not civilization. I shouldn't say it like that, but it's just Malay is the capital where everybody lives. And then there's resorts that are also islands that are all considered part of the Maldives. Wow. I saw a I bunch know. of your pictures. You guys look to be having an incredible time. I mean, everything, all the scenery looks like straight out of a painting. What Can you believe that people live in a place like that, that that's their lifestyle? Right. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Me and Sam were like, let's just, let's just stay. Like, let's just like, I could be a bartender. Sam could like, we can go find one that's going to golf course or something. Sam can go be a groundskeeper. Like, hey, let's just stay. <laughs> like, let's just do this forever. I don't want, I'll make an honest living. I don't care. I'll make, you know, five bucks an hour if I get to wake up to this every day on an ocean hut. That's perfect. Amazing. Wishful thinking. <laughs> uh, so I also want to talk to you about actually something that, um, 
when I asked you to come on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, you actually said that, yes, you're, you're honored. You would love to, but you actually said like you couldn't do it that week because you were so exhausted because you had been hosting a bunch of people for seven, eight days straight. And I know you, yeah. you are a caterer. <laughs> you like making everyone feel at home. You like making everyone feel welcome. Chef Lily is in full swing. You're making sure all the food is set. All the accommodations are set. It's tiring being that kind of caretaker. And so mm-hmm. you straight up said to me, honestly, and, and truthfully, you said like, I would love to, but I am just dead. Like I am, I, I can give, like, I want to talk to you, trust me, but there's nothing I can say right now because I'm so exhausted and like, right. I'll just like stutter, whatever. Uh, and I want to shout that out because I think a lot of people are afraid to let other people down. They don't mm-hmm. want to say how they're really feeling because mm-hmm. they're people pleasers. They they cater like they don't want to tell someone no. They don't want to see the reaction on their face or they don't want someone to be mad at them. But I think it's so important. And I do this all the time. And I think we still need to normalize like saying mm-hmm. no. If you're not in the right headspace to to hang out or to talk to someone or to do something for work, just say no. Because and I do this a lot. Like I have a a low social battery. If I hang out with mm-hmm. people four days in a row, like by that fourth day, I'm not even me. I am resembling a completely different version of myself. This happened recently. Um, this girl I'm dating, we went out for her birthday and I had been hanging out with people, hanging out with people for days on end. And by the time we got to her birthday dinner, I was just staring off into space mindlessly. I, I had no interest in participating in any conversation. And so then it ends up being a detriment to you because it, it right. makes you look bad and you look like the asshole who doesn't want to talk to anyone. So uh, right. I, I just wanted to say thank you for that and for being honest with me and for speaking up and for looking out for you and saying no when a lot of people would like say yes uh, because they don't want to hurt my feelings. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you for being so understanding. You're one of the few people that I feel like I could start a sentence and say in full transparency and then actually be fully transparent. And then for you to respond and be like, I understand. Like, that's so, so important people. Like people need to be more like that. I I'm trying personally, like I, I, you know, I read your blog posts. Don't take everything personal. You know, don't take anything personal, like that kind of stuff. I couldn't agree more. So it's nice to have someone in my life that understands no matter what. So thank you, Troy. <laughs> of course. As someone who is, you know, someone who likes to cater to other people and and take care of other people, how do you kind of strike the balance between caring so much for others and caring for yourself? Because you can care so much for others to where it hurts how much you care for you. And a lot of people like let themselves go because they spend so much time worrying and thinking about trying to make other people's lives better. When I was when I got a, got when I got out of college, when I graduated. I felt like I was spreading myself so thin, trying to make everybody happy, trying to make sure I went to everything, trying to make sure I was there for everything. And, um, plus working full time and with a job that, you know, I was working more than 40 hours a week and it, it was very draining. I was going to the hospitals. I was, you know, traveling, doing all this different stuff. So at one point, one of the nurses that I work with, she was like, I got invited to something and I was like, oh God, you know, this is a Wednesday, it's at seven o'clock. Like, I I can't believe that I'd have to, you know, leave Albany Med and go all the way up there. And then what am I going to eat for dinner? And I want to go to the gym. And she was like, just say no. 
And I was like, well, I can't just say no. And she's like, no, just say no. Like, that's it. Just say like, oh no, I'm sorry. I can't make it. That's it. She's like, you don't owe anybody an explanation. She's like, you're going to, you need to set boundaries in your life. So I've started doing that. I'm not great at it, <laughs> It's hard, but I've definitely started. I, I, we started, you know, me and Sam both, we both are two people that are people pleasers that, you know, we say yes to everything and everyone expects the everything from us. And we just got to a point where we were like, you know what? We start saying no for us, like to make to, for our own selves. We need to make sure that we say no sometimes. And we have not like as much as we want to, but we definitely, we definitely have. You got to set boundaries. It's the only way to do it. Only way you're able to like live your own life as well. Right. Do you feel bad at all when you say like, a, hey, I can't, I just can't make it tonight. Or guilty. Guilty, definitely. Yeah. I mean, not, not as much anymore. Now, like, I feel like we really say no to the things that we need to say no to. And then there's just like minimal guilt because we really, but in the beginning it was, it was definitely hard. It was, it was like, sheesh, like, should we have said no to that? Or should I have said no to that? Like, should I have, you know, should I have gone there? Should I have been there? But I feel, I feel like I'm in a better place by setting boundaries. I think that everybody in the, in their life needs to set boundaries. I think it's so important. My, my parents are big, like set boundaries with everything because you're going to be happier in your lives. Like they set boundaries, you know, especially when they had kids and stuff, they set a lot of boundaries with everybody in the outside world. And I feel like it was, it was so nice growing up just like us four. Um, nothing, you know, it was, it was a really strong like bond between all of us. And I just, I want that in my life. So I'm, I'm trying now. So I can prepare for the future. <laughs> it, it's difficult, but it's necessary. I mean, I'm still trying to do it because you, you still, and this is the the biggest battle I fight is caring what other people think about me. I want to be there for people. I want them to know that they can rely on me. But there's times where I'm like, I'm afraid if I say no, that I'm going to take a hit in that person's or in, in how they view me. Uh, oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm working on that for sure. Good. We all should. We all need to, especially us. Like, I feel like our generation, we're so used to like spreading ourselves thin and doing everything everyone else wants us to do. And now we're like, you know what? Let's set boundaries. Do you view yourself as an introvert or extrovert? (laughs) Extrovert. I mean, well, yeah, extrovert. There's times where like, I feel like I have some introvert qualities, but i I'm painfully an extrovert. I'm overly an extrovert. Okay. That, that, that's <laughs> Which is I'm... exhausting though. Yeah. It's exhausting. So that's why I feel like sometimes I get these introvert qualities where I'm like, oh, I just need like a minute alone, like away from everybody. No, no music, just silence. Like I feel like because I'm such an extrovert that I need some introvert time. It's like a overcorrection. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause, cause I was wondering, cause, um, you know, last, last week when you said that to me, it was the first time I had kind of ever heard you express in an in introvert quality because that's something that mm-hmm. i would say i i view myself mm-hmm. more introverted than extroverted because anyone who is with you for 10 seconds would be like that girl is an extrovert she's the life of the party <laughs> oh, yeah. she's in everyone's faces she's talking yep. loudly like that girl yep. <laughs> loves to be around people oh yeah but it gets exhausting it really does like i mean just the example of like having people here like i Love my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. I hit the absolute jackpot with them. They were such great guests. They were easy guests. Like they were down for whatever. They never complained. Like it was such a fun, like 
four, three, four days that they were here. And they got here on a Friday, left on Monday morning. And then Sam's, my, mine and Sam's friend, Kevin, who was in our wedding, he came Monday into Wednesday, he left. So it was just like, it was just constantly having people in our apartment, constant conversation, which is it was great conversation. It was great memories that I would not trade for the world. It's not something that I regret, but it's exhausting to have people in your space for Thursday to Wednesday, you know, six days straight. So, but it's great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's, it's an amazing experience to have these people, to connect with these people where, you wouldn't get these opportunities if I still live in upstate New York, like Alan, Eric, my, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, we would never have the opportunity to spend three days straight together with no kids, like completely, cause they're the ones that, that have my um, niece and nephews, no kids, completely uninterrupted, just constant conversation, talking about life, like, you know, diving in deeper to each other. Like it's, it's awesome, but it's exhausting. Like it would be. Uh, last question, then uh, okay. we'll get you out of here. So you're newly married. As you said, weddings cost a lot of money. Honeymoons mm-hmm. cost a lot of money. I'm very <laughs> curious to know kind of what your and Sam's um, approach is to money management post-wedding. How how are you guys trying to make sure that that you're being responsible and, you know, I wish, Sam heard, I wish I didn't have my headphones in so Sam could hear this question because he would come running in with his spreadsheets he, his goal in life is to just become very like financially literate. Like my brother is the senior financial analyst for Goldman Sachs. So we have like our financial advisor who like we call all the time, but like, you know, we're, we're both like trying to get into investing and we have a joint savings account and we, you know, we have all this, um, savings already for like that we're putting away for a house and things like that. So the goal, the, the ultimate goal is just to be financially literate, to, to not get anxious when we talk about money, to come up with specific budgeting for, um, for the apartment, for utilities, for life, for fun money, for, um, you know, my fund savings, his fund savings, our joint savings. So, um, I think it's a really important conversation to have when you get, or even before, I definitely think before you get married is when you should have the conversation about what you want to do. Cause I know people still that are married that split things 50, 50. I know people that take 20% from their paycheck and 20% from their other paycheck and they have a joint this way. But like me and Sam have got it like very analytical and very down to the point where like, okay, we have this for our house savings. We have this for savings for whatever, for our emergency fund. We have this money that goes towards our rent, utilities, cars. And then we have all this extra fund money that I call it fund money. It means like our two week spending limit for like groceries, which is fun for me. <laughs> and then like golf and, you know, dinner and going out places and experiences and whatnot. What is that like sharing, uh, you know, a checking account with someone else? I can't imagine like I get my direct deposit yeah. every other week and it doesn't all go to me. It goes to this right. other person that did nothing to work for that. Right. I think it's easy for me and Sam right now because we're very equal in our lives, like in our, in our jobs. Um, so it's just, we're kind of just like, there, there's, he, he figured out all the specific budgeting and it's, it's all pretty much the same. 
So it's kind of more like, instead of like looking at it, like I'm, I'm giving my, my portion of my money away. It's more like we're just doubling our money together. And that's kind of the mindset that you have to have with that. That's, that's the, you know, people say the secret to, um, good finances in married life is that you look at it more like a double, like, like one income, Mm. like two people in one income versus like looking at two separate, separate incomes coming together. But like I said, it's easier for me. It's not like, it's not like Sam's making, or it's not like I'm making a hundred thousand and Sam's making 30,000. Like, cause then I would think I would have more, (laughs) I would have a little bit more like, "Mm," because I'm not good at sharing, but when we're both making the same money, it's a lot easier. So you get used to it. It's an adjustment period. It really is. But yeah, you know, you, you kind of find what works for you. Um, I still have my own like s- savings that if I wanted to go buy a Louis Vuitton, I would, you know, I've just bought a Dyson Airwrap, which is like this fancy hair dryer. Like there's still like money that I have that I can spend however I want. And Sam has that money too. Um, but when you start combining things and you start having like the same account, um, it's, it's more of an adjustment. It definitely is. Is buying a house the you know the next big thing for you guys? Probably we we could if we wanted to. Like we have the savings for it. We've been saving for a while now. I don't know. You know, but the housing market, God, it's crazy. It's just it's insane right now, especially in Florida. They're like joking that Florida's like the new California houses are doubling. Houses that were four hundred thousand last year or eight hundred thousand or four hundred thousand two years ago, three years ago. Or 800,000 now. So it's like, it's insane down here. Everyone's moving down here. So it's not like I don't look at buying a house equating to success. I feel like that was kind of like a, some people have that mindset. I don't think like being successful is having a house. Mm -hmm. I'm in no rush to buy a house, I guess I could say. I don't like the idea of maintenance. I don't like the idea of being like married to my house. Me and Sam, we want to travel. Like we're going to Costa Rica in June. Like we have things that we want to do. So I'm not like in a huge rush, um, but it's it's in the it's in the front of our minds. It's probably the next five years, I would say, we're going to buy a house. Probably. That's all of buying a house market. scares the hell out of me. Uh, Doesn't it? It sounds like such a commitment. Holy shit! The commitment, the like the amount of adulting that was required to buy a house, and also just like I feel like if I buy a house and live in that house, I have to live in that for like a set amount of time. Like I hate right. feeling like I like knowing uh, this is why I like leases. This is why I do a month to month gym membership. I like knowing that I can mm-hmm. get out of anything easily uh, at any time. A house right. feels like a hard thing to get out. of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So I don't know. We're, we, we have, you know, we, we save for it. Cause I feel like married couples should, um, that would probably be the next big step for us. But I'm thinking like, we're just going to enjoy our marriage for a bit longer before we start to do all the scary parts of it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm so glad that you are enjoying your marriage, that you are enjoying your location, the sun, you look great, new job. Everything is great for you guys. The Mets, our bet. I saw your like the Mets spring training facilities right around the corner for you guys. That's got to be incredible. You guys are oh, yeah. Mets fans. Went to a bunch of Mets games in New York City together. So, so happy for you guys. And thank you for being the first guest and one of the last guests on the Trey Parker show. Liana, love you forever. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to see you soon. Love you, Troy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor.